You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. This is Mike, and I will be your host for this mini-episode. I had um, a little bit of a conversation with Austin today uh, about a a new book that was just released. Uh, Devin Hunter's Crystal Magic for the Modern Witch is now available. And in discussing that book, um, you know, as we were placing it on our shelves here in the shop, um, it got me thinking about um, just, just, you know, many of the ways that people like to incorporate stones and crystals into their magical practice. And again, I thought it would be kind of fun to maybe discuss that on this this mini episode. So I want to talk about a few of the concepts that we need to consider. These are kind of the foundational um, things, kind of the philosophies that we need to think about when we look to incorporate crystals and stones into our spiritual work. The first thing that we need to really look at is we need to look at where we sit with the concept of animism. Now, we have discussed animism on the podcast before, um, but for those of you maybe who missed that episode, animism is, to put it simply, the idea or the belief that everything that exists um, has some aspect of intelligence or awareness or consciousness. Um, It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the trees. It could be the stones. It could be, well, anything, really. Um, And so when we look at the use of crystals and stones in our spiritual work slash magical work, um, we we have to really kind of acknowledge that we're, in fact, choosing to put belief in the concept of animism. It is the animistic spirit of that crystal or stone that is really ultimately what you are connecting to and the um, kind of the structuring intelligence of that animistic spirit that is going to allow you to work with the energy of that crystal or stone. So that's one of the things that I like to talk about uh, with people when this conversation comes up, because if we don't put faith in animism, we really can't work with stones and crystals or really any of the other things like herbs and, and oh, really pretty much anything, right? Um, so from there, I want to talk a little bit about the way that energy works and why stones and crystals really seem to work so well for some people. And, um, and then how there are other people who really just don't get any connection at all or don't really feel anything at all. And, and of course, really, the, the, the bottom line to, to that distinction is that we're all just very different uh, as individuals. We're also different spiritually, energetically, and we all have different gifts when it comes to the way that we connect to spirit. So with that in mind, I do want to talk a little bit about the process of or... Um, well, I guess, I guess the easiest way to, to say this is just to, just to explain this. So there is within physical laws and within what we can see as metaphysical universal laws, a, a process that we identify as entrainment. E-N-T-R-A-I-N-M-E-N-T, entrainment. Entrainment is, again, to kind of just, you know, layman's terms, entrainment is what happens when two separate entities two separate bodies who both emit their own power, who both have their own source of energy when those two bodies um, meet. And what happens between the two of them, depending on what happens between the two of them, is sometimes described or can be seen as a process of entrainment. What that means is that those two bodies typically harmonize their energies and the body, the entity of the two that has the stronger uh, transmission or that is the stronger um, in Uh, putting energy out is ultimately going to uh, cause the weaker of those two energies to kind of sink to its rhythm, to its transmission, its energy. Um, And you can see this uh, concept, this this phenomena in entrainment happening in lots and lots of ways. 
throughout our world. It's just it's just a mundane way and, a, and just a very physical way that things work in our world. But this process is also, in essence, what is happening when we work with crystals and stones. We, as one entity in that situation, one being, um, we pick up that stone or crystal, which is the other being, right? And uh, through our transmission of energy, through our energetic state, you know, if we are kind of where we want to be, ideally, energetically, um, we are able to then see the energy of the crystal, uh, you know, sink and train to ours. Now, different people because again of, of where they're at and because of their own gifts they will be able to entrain to the energies of stones and crystals at different levels or in different ways um, some people don't entrain at all um, and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that if you are someone listening to this episode and you're like i don't really feel anything from stones and crystals you're not alone the majority of the people out there probably don't um, it does not mean that you're still, still not getting potentially some sort of benefit from the spirit of that stone or crystal. You just may not be picking up on that in a way that is recognizable to you. Okay, so uh, so you're not broken. Okay, um, but we when we have these interactions, when we look at again the concepts of animism and entrainment, we of course then have to look at how that really works. Right, the relationship beyond the the connection. Right. And so this is an interesting thing, because I think there are a lot of people out there, particularly people who kind of fall more into the new age slash light worker spectrum, who are kind of of the belief that they can just walk into any shop, any rock or crystal shop, pick up that shiny piece of rose quartz and boom, it's just going to automatically do this thing. Um, and no, no. No, no. I think that's, to be honest, one of the other reasons why a lot of people say that they don't really pick up on this, the more the subtler energies of stones and crystals is because they picked it up, they bought it, and it's shiny and it's pretty, but they haven't really done anything to establish the connection, right? Um, so something else maybe to consider if you're someone who struggles a little bit with those energetic connections. Um, but these stones and crystals, because they have their own animistic spirit, because they have their own... Um, you know, just awareness and their own, they are their own source of energy, right? Um, we have to be on the point of connecting with them personally. We then have to actually work with them. We have to, on a very individual level, we have to figure out, okay, how does this spirit, the animistic of this stone or crystal, how does this connect to me? What does it potentially show or do for me? Right. Um, and that's another important thing to consider when we look at how different we all are as individuals, because every stone and crystal out there is going to affect us or hit us differently. Everyone out there is not going to get the same energetic benefits from amethyst. Everyone out there is not going to see the same grounding and healing properties from jasper. Okay, that's just that's not how these things work. We are all much too different. And these animistic spirits are all very different. So when working with these, uh, these, these animistic spirits, these intelligences and these stones and crystals, once we've had a chance to actually connect and figure out what that is going to do for us and what that is for us, we then have to do a little bit of programming. Okay? And people hear the word programming, particularly, particularly in the con uh, conversation around stones and crystals, and they, I think, get a little confused. Um, or they maybe think and, or assume wrongly that something like programming a stone or a crystal is going to be uh, difficult. Um, and no, no, it's actually quite simple. Um, so 
to kind of, again, maybe put it into like steps or process, you're going to find the stone and crystal or stone or crystal that you want to work with. You've identified it. You know exactly what it is, right? Um, and you're going to sit and you're going to hold that stone or crystal in your hands. And I do this, um, and I find that this has been helpful for me. I don't know, again, just because we're all so different that this wouldn't necessarily work for everybody. But I like to, when I'm working with these kinds of animistic spirits, I like to hold the, the stone or the crystal between my palms. So both of my hands are in connection. And I'll usually try to bring that stone or crystal up to my heart space because our heart space is actually the source of um, what we would consider more... Um, psychic kinds of communication. Our heart center is one of the things that allows us to communicate and connect with other uh, beings and intelligences in ways that would be uh, removed of, say, like verbal communication, or even I would say even logic. Um, so it's really kind of a very primal, uh, very focused and, and very, I would say, pure kind of communication. Um, but holding that, that stone, <clears throat> excuse me, holding that stone uh, between our palms and close to our heart space, and again, giving it a moment to kind of show us you know, okay, this is who it is, this is what it does, okay? From there, rather than trying to impose our will upon that and make that stone be or do something other than what it is, instead we need to take the information that it gives us, we need to take the identity that it shares with us, and we then need to kind of give that a bit of structure. If we pick up a piece of jasper and it tells us like, on an energetic level, I could be good for balancing out this particular physical situation within your body, then we, we need to go with that. Okay? We don't want to try to tell that stone, no, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this instead. That's never going to work because that's not who that stone is. That's not how that animistic spirit is going to work with you. Um, so what we do instead is we say, okay, wonderful. This is how you've told me or this is how I have intuitively connected to how you would work with me for this particular thing or in this particular way. And so with that in mind, wonderful, but I, I want you maybe to kind of do this to this extent, or I want you to do this maybe um, only under these particular circumstances, or, you know, like these are just examples of ways that we kind of talk and we, again, in the process program, we work with these stones, okay? And then I usually say, and this is not for the stone, but, or the, the spirit of the stone or the crystal, but for you, um, I then usually say it's good for you to, in your own mind, to come up with some sort of a keyword or a focus, a word of focus that gives you the ability to clearly identify, okay, this stone does this, this stone is this. And remember, that's not for the stone because the stone or the animistic spirit of that stone is going to do what it does. Okay, that is, it is its own being, its own intelligence, and you are not going to do, it doesn't matter how much work you put into something like that, you are not going to get Jasper to function in the same way that you would get Labradorite to function, okay? Very different, okay? So the, the keyword or the focus word is something that actually helps us to remember like, oh, I use this stone and when I hold this stone, when I work with this stone in this capacity, this will be the manifestation that I will feel. This is how I remember this, right? So we do a little bit of programming on ourselves in this situation, okay? Um, after a few moments of doing that, you know, usually at that point, you will probably start to see like, okay, this is how this works. This is how this feels. And you can probably at that point start to sense that, okay, the programming's kind of started to take. And don't be surprised if it takes a couple of sessions of doing this with a particular crystal or stone spirit. Um, because again, you're dealing with a different intelligence. And um, sometimes it can take them a little bit of time to be able to adjust to the way that you have tried to place structure upon what they do naturally. Okay. Uh, so just some important things to consider.
Now, I want to take that a step further, and I want to talk about how we as uh, magical practitioners um, will often incorporate these spirits, stones, and crystals into work that we may do for others, right? Whether it be the tiny little crystal chunks that you throw into a spell jar. Ugh, sorry, I'm not a spell jar person. If you've listened to the podcast for a while now, you know that. Um, or say, who knows, maybe it's stones or crystals that you throw into a mojo, or maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's like a single crystal that you may carry or a piece of jewelry that you've charged with particular uh, intent, right? I mean, you know, it could be anything, right? But when we do work, we very often find ourselves doing work or focusing our work on others. And in the process of doing that, we have to kind of throw an extra step into our programming. So we still say we're working with that same stone, right? We've picked up that piece of Jasper. We know how it works with us. We know how it connects to us on an energetic level, right? Um, but then we need to focus on the situation or the, the purpose for the working that we may be doing for someone else, right? And we need to really be clear within ourselves, both logically, emotionally, on all those levels. As a magical practitioner, we need to have done the homework to figure out, okay, what's really going on and what ultimately would be the best way to resolve or to fix this situation. And does this particular stone have an energetic manifestation that would be appropriate for this, right? Because once again, we cannot make those stones be and do something other than what they are. Um, and then we need to move beyond the way that that stone or crystal spirit connects with us. And then also, or to, to the point where we can see, okay, will it be willing to connect with this other person in the same way? This is one of the reasons why I discourage people from going into uh, metaphysical shops and purchasing uh, pre-crafted items that have a lot of rocks and crystals in them because in the process of doing that the person who crafted that item you know and it could be beautiful it could be powerful it could be you know well made it's not that there's anything wrong with the item necessarily but that item is still something that in purchasing it you're going to need to take home and you're going to need to charge and program that item to yourself otherwise it's never really going to work for you um, there's, there's just no way for the, for those of us who craft magical items for other people to really be able to dial those in to you specifically. That's, that's, that's your part of that work. Okay. Um, but we need to make sure that whatever it is we're choosing is something that would I ideally fit to the purpose of any working that we would do for anyone else. So let's talk about one more thing on uh, kind of just the, just the idea, the ideology behind working with stones and crystals in magical work. Um, I'm, and I touched upon this a few moments ago, but there is, again, thanks to new age concepts around things like stones and crystals and the energy that they hold, there is this idea that, um, again, that every stone, every piece of, oh, who knows, we'll just say green aventurine, that everybody who picks up a piece of green aventurine is going to get the exact same benefit of that. Um, and because of that, there are all these books and things out there. I mean, I can't, there are countless countless books out there that have been written that are going to tell you every time this stone does this every time this is what this stone is this is what this stone always does it doesn't matter who you are or what the circumstances may be this is what this stone does um, and rather than going with that I really I want to encourage all of you who hear this to take any prior knowledge or any information that you have of what stones are and what they do for us energetically and I want you to kind of tuck that away for a few moments the next time you pick up one of your favorite stones or crystals Okay, and I want you to, instead of falling back on those things, I want you to instead clear your mind and just focus on your personal connection to that animistic spirit. 
to let it show you what it really does, who it really is, and how ultimately how it will work for you. Um, because again, we're all very different. These things will affect us in very different ways. Having said that, I will say that in the next few minutes, I am going to share some information on particular families of stones and their common uses in magical work, uh, particularly or, or with specifically a focus on healing work. Okay, so, uh, but again, I, I want you to take anything that I would share with you along those lines and, um, you know, really consider it, you know, really think about it, make sure that it's something that does actually work for you and make sure that in the process maybe of working with some of those stones, that, that that's, that's the feeling that you get. Um, because the way that you connect with these spirits is always going to be way more important than what I or what anybody else may have to tell you. Okay, uh, just keep that in mind, All right? All right, so yeah, let's let's talk about that though. Okay, I I want to kind of go into um, just some some common common stones. There are so many stones and crystals out there. Obviously, I'm I'm not going to go into all of that, but um, but talking about maybe just some of the big ones. Okay, and I've got these kind of split into families of stones based on their common energetic uses. Uh, and again, I'm focusing specifically on healing. I do a lot of healing work as a witch, and um, I have found because of the way that stones and crystals connect with me personally i have actually found that these animistic spirits are really excellent conduits for um healing work for the intent behind healing work uh because they of their their own physical nature they are uh very often seen like stone and rock is very often something that we see kind of paralleling uh, or running parallel to the concept of our physical human body, right? So there's there's a lot, to be honest, a lot of lore and a lot of a lot of information that goes into the associations between these kinds of spirits and healing work, uh, particularly healing around like like physical human body kinds of healing. Okay, um, so let's dive in. So the first family of stone uh, stones and crystals I really want to talk about is really going to be uh, are the quartz. So quartz, uh, by its nature, it is often kind of seen as a universal healer. Um, and this family, uh, the quartz family of stones of this includes amethyst, citrine, rose quartz, smoky quartz, um, chalcedony. Chalcedony has a lot of quartz um, in it. So um, pretty much any any stone, I, I would say it's probably probably fair to say most of the stones that you're going to see out there now, even if it doesn't look like a pretty polished piece of quartz, most of the stones out there now are going to have a good uh, quantity or a good a good amount of quartz in them. Their composition of the stone itself, a lot of that is going to be quartz. Um, so quartz is really pretty much in in just about everything that you're going to find commonly on the uh, rock and crystal market. Um, but quartz is because uh, it is kind of seen as a, a kind of a, a universal kind of a healer, a conduit, if you will. Um, it's very good for intensifying energy. So if we're working with situations where we're trying to charge or invigorate or even raise energy. Um, these are really kinds of the situations or the types of work that we want to incorporate or use quartzes for, you know. Um, so, you know, in, in looking at, again, healing, you know, say if we were dealing with someone who was dealing with, you know, lethargy, uh, someone who maybe, you know, they were, they had been ill for a, a time and now they were kind of coming out of that, but they were having a difficult time kind of building up. Um, you know, their, their strength and their stamina again, um, someone who maybe was working on, um, who knows, balancing issues around, say, maybe like hormone and metabolism kinds of health concerns, you know, quartz is, uh, or members of the quartz family are going to be really good for that. 
um, because it just it has this ability to um, kind of directly focus or help us to more directly focus energy towards specific things. Again, it's also very good for raising energy. And we do need to be mindful of that. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize when we're doing energetic healing work is that certain people, because of where they've been, um, as it would relate to health and what they've dealt with on, on a level of their own health, um, certain people can become very easily uh, overcharged, I guess would be a way to put it. Um, it's very easy for us to actually push a lot of energy into someone. And if they are, for whatever reason, already kind of uh, weakened or, you know, they're in a, an energetic space where um, they're, you know, for whatever reason, they just they just can't quite handle the onslaught, <laughs> you know, of our intent to heal them, right? Um, we can, sometimes we can do more damage than we, than maybe we're doing healing. So we need to be very careful about that, particularly with anything that we're using that is going to be pushing more energy in to a person, right? But, uh, but again, quartz is uh, excellent for this. Um, we can see that in, you know, in amethyst. Amethyst is very good for helping to, I think, um, heighten emotional states within people. Um, it's often seen as a stone or is often described as a stone that is very good for inducing calm. But rather than inducing calm, I think really what we're doing is it's very good at helping us to amplify the emotions and the states of being that we would rather feel over the, say, like the stress and the anxiety. Um, you know, uh, rose quartz, everyone is going to be familiar with rose quartz. Uh, it's so good for amplifying, again, uh, emotion, emotional states that we, you know, really we would much rather prefer than, you know, some of the more, you know, negative kinds of things that come up, right? So remember that your quartz families are very good amplifiers and channelers. They, they focus and amplify. Right? The next family of stones I want to talk about is river rock or, um, and ores. Um, so this family of stones is going to include your granites, uh, or granite, marble, uh, hematite, tiger eye, right? Stones that have a, like a high iron content, right? So because of this, because of their, um, their, their, just their composition, these stones are going to be very good for grounding. They're very good for slowing and stabilizing energy. Um, they're, um, usually these stones have a very complex mineral composition. Um, and so there's a lot going on with these. And because of that, they actually end up being, I think, um, probably the best stones for healing work because there will be chemical composition, mineral structure, and just all kinds of cool stuff going on with these stones. Um, and most of that is going to somehow uh, or will will in some way connect to all of the different systems within the human body. Um, so again, if we're looking specifically at healing work, um, these are really kind of kind of our big guns. These are the ones that, that I personally, I, I would recommend you, you look to first. Um, but because of the way that these work, they're very good for helping us to bring balance to the body. They um, say if we're dealing with someone who is dealing with uh, or suffering from say like consistent uh, consistent fever, um, someone who tends to be uh, in like Chinese traditional medicine, there's a concept of having too much fire or being too yang in our energy. Um, you know, this is something that can be over time um, really tricky. It can create issues around like chronic inflammation in the body. And uh, these stones, river rocks, ores, uh, these kinds of stones are very good for helping to kind of to bring some balance to those kinds of situations. And so I do always recommend them uh, as, uh, or that recommend that they be included in healing work. Even if you're working with other stones, I always say it's a good idea to throw one of these kinds of stones in the mix too, because it will help to kind of balance out the effect of the other stones that you've chosen to work with. 
Okay. Um, they're very cooling. Um, you know, I mentioned a moment ago, if you're dealing with someone who's had issues with inflammation and fever, these are stones that can be very good for um, helping to kind of regulate or bring those kinds of things down as well. Anything, any, any system in the body that would be experiencing a superfluous amount of energy, kind of like the opposite of what we were just talking about with quartz, right? Any system or anything that would be going on in the body that would be like a, a build of too much energy, these are, are very excellent stones because they help to ground those things out. They help to bring that energy back down to a healthier level. The next family of stones I want to talk about is jaspers and agates. And I talked about jasper quite a bit uh, a few moments ago as an example of a particular animistic spirit. But um, jasper, to be honest, is a, there's a huge, there, there are so many different types of jasper. Um, jasper as just a family of stones is, is really quite large, um, as are, are agates. There are many, many different types of agates out there. Um, this family of stones includes things like bloodstone, uh, mukite, and these stones are really going to be good for uh, bigger systemic kinds of healing work. Um, they're again, they're kind of similar to river rock and, and ores in that they are, are um, like th these are really again kind of like your your go tos or should be your go tos for healing work. Um, and it's tricky because you know river rocks, ores, and you know, and now we're talking about jaspers and agates. They're not always necessarily the the stones that people are initially drawn to, which is unfortunate because they can be very beautiful. They are very beautiful, and they can get some very vivid color. Um, but they they don't tend to be like they're not polished and shaped, say in the way that maybe like certain types of quartz would be. Um, they're maybe not as flashy. And so because of that, a lot of people overlook these, but in your magical work, your spiritual work, um, and particularly in the realm of healing work, these these are always gonna probably be the, the, the ones that I would say, pick this one up first, learn to work with these first. These are gonna be your big healers, okay? Um, so these stones, one of the reasons that they are so beneficial in healing work though, specifically is because their energetic properties align more closely to the human body. Um, they, they work very well with the way that our human bodies kind of work, the way that we're kind of structured, the way that we, uh, all of our different systems, our pulmonary system, our cardio system, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? Our, our endocrine, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, right? Um, because of the way that those systems in the body work, um, these stones are, are excellent for helping those two, again, to kind of maintain balance. Um, so if we were dealing with someone who was struggling with a systemic kind of body issue, right, or, or health issue, um, these are always going to be the go-tos. Uh, a lot of, over the years, a lot of the people that I have had an opportunity to work with uh, for healing work specifically, as they've come to see me for um, some extra help, I usually recommend uh, bloodstones, these kinds of jaspers and things. I recommend these, uh, say, for people who are going through maybe something like chemotherapy, where they're dealing with a health situation that is now impacting the entirety of their being, right? Um, people who are struggling with particular types of autoimmune issues where like the entire body is impacted, right? These are people who are really going to benefit the most. These are the health situations that see the greatest benefit from these stones and crystals when we incorporate them into healing work. Um, now, since we've talked so much about healing work, since again, the focus of this episode rather was using stones and crystals for healing work really, it is probably good, and I probably should have said this at the beginning of this this mini episode, but it is good to remember that these things do not replace traditional medicine. 
Okay, and the example that I was just giving around working with someone who maybe is doing or going through chemotherapy, you know, and they're looking for additional healing, right, in coming and seeing me and, and asking me for the suggestion of a stone, I might absolutely recommend something like a, a piece of bloodstone. But at the same time in that conversation, I'm, I'm going to remind them, like, you still need to finish your chemotherapy. You still need to go back and talk to your doctor, okay? There are, again, voices, people within certain aspects or or facets of the spiritual community who would have us all believe that these animistic spirits, the stones and crystals, were capable of completely altering and changing our lives down to and including our health. And that is just not the case. That is never going to happen. These uh, animistic spirits do not have the power to completely change your life. Um, those of you out there who love your Moldavite and think that Moldavite was responsible for ruining your your, your year in 2021, yeah, boy, you you were super, super wrong. I assure you that that little little mineral did nothing to ruin your year. Those were all your bad decisions. Um, so remember that, okay? These, these are assistance. These are supplemental uh, focuses and efforts to the other things that we do to, to balance and to manifest what we want, right? So... Moving on to our next family of stones and crystals, I want to talk about feldspars. Uh, feldspars are um, again a pretty. There's a, there's a pretty broad range of, of stones that we would identify or that we would see included in this family. Um, two that that really are probably the most popular are going to be the labradorite and moonstone varieties. Um, those stones that people pick up that have like kind of like that shimmer or that flash, you know, when you, you kind of shift that stone. Like those of you who are familiar with Labradorite will know exactly what I'm talking about. The, um, the, the, that kind of shimmer or flash is, is that, that's, that's very common for most, most feldspars. Um, these stones in energy work and in healing work, um, these stones really, to be honest, are going to have greater focus on the emotional component of our being, the emotional and um, more abstract energetic component of our being. Um, I I don't normally suggest that you work with feldspars for physical bodily healing. Not that you couldn't, who knows, maybe you would connect to them in a bit, you know, a bit differently. Um, But they they speak to uh, very directly to the emotional component of our being, which is another one of the reasons why we are so drawn to these stones. Um, the flash, the shimmer of these stones is something that it just, it, it kind of takes us out of ourselves for a moment, right? Um, and because of that, these stones are very good at helping us to, I think, detach. Um, and we have to be very careful with detachment because if we, we do that too much or we take that too far, it can be a bad thing, right? We don't want to be detached in our lives. But these are stones that we can work with to help us um, maybe bring a little bit of peace by helping us to healthily separate ourselves, from situations uh, maybe that are no longer serving us, right? These are stones that we can use to maybe heighten things like psychic ability. These are stones that we can work with to open ourselves up emotionally, to help open ourselves up. Maybe if we're going through processes of maybe like some sort of therapy, right? And we're struggling to be able to let go or to be fully open and vulnerable, right? These are our excellent stones for these this, this kind of work, okay? So I'm not going to go into too much more detail on different families of stones. Those are really the big ones. Um, and again, this is supposed to be a mini episode, and I've already probably gone way over the 20-minute time frame. But um, one last thing I did want to discuss and provide just a few more, more bits of information on is the shape of stones. A lot of people don't realize that the shapes of stones can also be um, very important, a very important thing to consider when we look at how we work with them energetically. 
So I'm not going to get too far into the shapes of stones because, oh my gosh, shapes, you know, every, every stone out there comes, you know, has its own shape, right? But, but there are some common ones. So I'm going to kind of go through these fairly quickly. Uh, rounded stones, when incorporating rounded stones, and by rounded stone, I don't just mean that they've been tumbled and polished. I mean stones that actually have been shaped to the point where they do have more of a spherical kind of a shape, um, but rounded stones are best for energy work where we're trying to see the energy that we're directed kind of um, dispersed to affect multiple things at the same time. Think of a rounded stone as something that you send the energy in and then the shape of the stone kind of then channels or pushes that energy out its own energy as well um, but any energy that you might potentially be working with um, or incorporating it's going to push that out in every direction kind of in the same way and at the same time so rounded stones are very good for uh, big picture kinds of things where we have lots and lots of little pieces to consider Pointed stones, um, typically when we hear the word crystal, this is what we visualize, uh, visualize. Um, you know, like that um, faceted, pointed, that crystal point, right? Um, but, but any stone can actually, or many stones, I should say, can grow in this way. Many stones grow, um, you know, um, in a pointed kind of a shape. So um, if they are, don't do that naturally, we, we shape them. You know, uh, we, we, you know, with lapidary work, we can shape stones into points. Um, and these stones, um, as, as it would probably make sense, really kind of function like a wand or even I would say like the, the point of a ritual dagger or even your finger, right, where you're pointing at something. And through pointing at something, what we're doing is we're directing energy um, in, a, in a, a more specific way. We're directing energy at one particular thing. So think of your pointed stones kind of like a wand or something that is going to channel and direct energy in one particular direction. Um, pointed stones can also be really good connectors or conduits between other things that we're incorporating into our spell work. Um, if you were, depending on your, your experience and the way that you work with these things, you could place something like a, a pointed quartz piece between, um, say, like a particular herbal formulation and uh, the, the focus of your working and the idea on an energetic level is that that uh, pointed stone will also work to channel the herbal spirit of the um, what, what it is you have formulated into the, uh, the focus of your working. So they make really good connectors and conduits as well. Um, rough stones or stones that still have kind of more of like a, like a rougher kind of a texture and shape, okay? Um, they have a softer, more, uh, I would say, kind of more natural or more organic kind of, a, of an energy. Um, when I say softer, in no way do I want that to sound like they are less effective in energetic work. In fact, sometimes I think that they can be more effective because they're able to take uh, through their own energy and the energy that we might potentially be working through them. Um, we are... Um, able to see them do the same thing, but they do it in a kind of an easier and like a calmer, more balanced way. And, you know, and if we're focusing on something, you know, whether it be a healing working, whether it be um, some other sort of spell work where we need the thing to happen, but we don't want it to happen with a lot of force or um, with an effect that could potentially create even additional struggle or chaos, right? We, we want to, um, we want a kind of a soft touch. Right? And so these stones are going to be really good for that. This is really kind of how they work best. Um, to contrast that, we see, of course, polished stones. And these are going to be like your, they've been tumbled. They've been shaped a little bit. They're very smooth to the touch. They've been polished so that they're shiny. Right? Um, 
and we do this with pretty much every stone out there. Every stone out there is usually processed in this way, um, at least as they're sold now through most of the rock and crystal shops that you'll you'll encounter. Um, but these are, because of the way that they have been processed, these are stones that are going to have a much more direct, um, not direct as in one direction, but direct as in like, like they're, they, they have kind of a harder like hit when they, when they, push their energy when they move their energy when we direct energy through them it's going to hit whatever we're directing that energy at with like i think greater or i would say more precise kinds of force and so these are really good for um you know kind of like like more like this is like just one tiny little thing i need to to maybe see but i need it to happen really fast right or i want this to really kind of be like a big impactful kind of a thing that's really when you're going to want to probably bring in more of your polished stones um so there's a little bit of information, at least, on the significance of shapes. Those of you who are maybe curious about what shape, not just necessarily what type, but what shape, what size, whatever, um, that that's going to hopefully be of help to you. Maybe the next time you want to look at a, a particular stone or crystal to include in your spiritual work. Um, as to the size, I just mentioned the word size. As to the size of the stones, I really do want to say that um, in this situation, at least in this situation, size does not matter. Um, the the stone that you buy that is going to fit into the palm of your hand is really going to have the same energetic manifestation and and uh the spirit of that stone can be just as powerful as the boulder that, that you might see you know on display in a in a rock and crystal shop right so um so don't be too caught up about that you don't need to fall into a bigger but is better mind, mindset when it comes to your stones and your crystals okay um Anyway, I think I have yammered on long enough about stones and crystals. Hopefully some of this information is of benefit. Um, and as I said, apply this to your own work in, in whichever way you choose. And if none of what I've gone over today is really something that fits into your work, then don't worry about it. Um, we will be back next week with uh, another full-length episode. We, um, again, we, we took a couple weeks off for the holidays, and uh, we hopefully you've enjoyed these little mini episodes. We will probably continue to do mini episodes in future, but we will be back next week with another full uh, episode. So do look forward to that. And I just want to wish you all a, uh, if you if you acknowledge it, if, if that's, this is the calendar you're on anyway, um, I want to wish you all a happy new year. And um, thank you so much for supporting the podcast over the course of the last year. We will continue to hopefully bring you some, some good stuff, some good information, and do some good work for you in the coming year.